I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Ty Seifu. Uh, and we had our fantasy draft yesterday, last night, yesterday evening. We can start with that. My team is called Cole Caulfield's Stuffed Animals. I think it's very clever. And I drafted a great team that includes uh, no Montreal Canadiens, sadly, but maybe I'll acquire one at some point. I have Elias Pettersson on there, and I have Patrick Kane on there. Unfortunately, that was the optimal first round pick for me. And Ty said his team is called Jack Johnson. I can't think of a dumber name possible. The whole joke is that it's just a bad player. That's the whole joke. He had the first pick. He got McDavid. Uh, he took Pasternak in the third round, which some thought was a little early considering he's out for about another month. But uh, why don't you go ahead and defend yourself? All right. First of all, I'll defend my name. Uh, I, I happen to think it's particularly clever as well. Uh, I think it's better than your name, but uh, we'll leave that up for debate. And uh, yeah, look, Pasternak. He's uh, if he was healthy right now, first round pick, easy cheese for sure. Uh, and is it won't even be no question about it. And the fact is, uh, we just saw some news like the last week or so, and uh, looks like his recovery is on track, maybe even faster than expected. And so now we're looking at an early February return, hopefully if everything goes right. At that point, my fantasy team, which is completely stacked right now on levels nobody has ever seen, all right, will be already rolling at 3-0 and or 4-0 and or 5-0. and And it will only get better with the addition of, uh, you know, he's going to win me the fantasy championship is going to happen here. Uh, I have noted legend P.K. Subban. Uh, last pick playing. overall. Damn right. But a hell of a lot. It's one hell of a last pick there. And I got our boy, Montreal Canadian, Nick Suzuki, uh, who is going to absolutely ball this this, uh, this season. Lots of power play points for me. And uh, yeah, I recommend if you're y'all in our fantasy league, still haven't drafted yet. It's getting late. Better do it soon. Uh, and uh, I would recommend A, getting Connor McDavid, but B, also getting Nick Suzuki. Yeah, all right. Looking through your team right now, the forwards... Pretty good. Top heavy, but not bad. McDavid, Kyle Connor, of course, pretty good. Kubalik, that's a questionable pick, I gotta say. Your defense, though, I mean, also top heavy, I think is a good way to describe it. We have Roman Yossi, one of the best, just won the Norris. Brent Burns, I think probably poised for a bounce back. Tyson Berry, not so sure about that. You, you, you're banking on those power play points, but we saw, you know, he played with a lot of skill in Toronto, too. And maybe it was just coaching, but he seemed to take a lot of shots from the point that went wide instead of, you know, passing off to Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, whoever it is. So I'm not quite sure if he's going to totally do a reversal on that in Edmonton, which would be worrisome for me. Be, be, big red flag. And of course, Rasmus Dahlin, potential potential breakout year. I'm not so sure. Still anyone with Buffalo uh, besides like Jack Eichel, I tend to want to stay away from. And P.K. Subban is your number five. Yeah, well, look. Tyson Berry, I think, look, he's playing on a power play. He's playing, first of all, play quarterback. I don't care how bad he is in the defensive zone. Uh, we're not playing with plus minus early. So for all I care, he could give up 7,000 goals uh, in the defensive zone. And I couldn't care less because uh, this guy, he's a power play quarterback. And we've got Connor McDavid at the point. I'm, I'm betting that, uh, you know, power play coach, whoever it is, tell him. For crying out loud, for crying out loud Tyson, uh, don't shoot for point. Just, just give it to Connor. And then he'll score. Or we'll pass the Nuge, who's also on my team, and uh, we'll score. And so we're looking at uh, an absolute deadly power play combo on my team right now. Barry, Nuge, McDavid. Uh, this this team, this league, uh, we'll see it coming. Y'all are getting absolutely steamrolled this season. Uh, and you look at my goalies, I got absolute stud, Tukarask. 
I have, and then I got a couple dudes who uh, will play a whole bunch. Uh, are they fantastic? Not particularly, but they'll play a whole bunch. I got Cam Talbot, Linus Allmark. Who the hell is behind? Like, I don't know who their backups are. So, uh, you know, that's a good sign for me. And uh, I think y'all are screwed. I think I think that's it. I think we can, we don't even need to play the season at this point, and uh, we can crown me already. Uh, Linus Allmark's backup, by the way, is Carter Hutton, and uh, Cam Talbot's is Capo Kakinen. Just some useful intel you might want when they both play terribly and lose their starting jobs to their backups. Uh, but anyway, there was one more player I believe I wanted to mention. I don't remember who it was, sadly. Oh, uh, wait, it was someone on my team. Someone on my team. And it was Vladimir Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko is injured right now, just like David Pasternak is. I think they're expected back around the same time, maybe Pasternak a little bit earlier. Not to say that Vladimir Tarasenko is as good or as valuable as David Pasternak is, but David Pasternak is the first pick in the third round, and Vladimir Tarasenko on the latter half of the 14th round. Is there really that much of a discrepancy? Not saying Pasternak was a bad pick, not saying that, just saying I think Tarasenko is an absolute steal in the 14th round. This is someone who, a couple of years ago, you actually drafted with like the 7th the or 8th overall pick in one of our leagues. Now I got him in the 14th round. I only have to wait a month or so. So good work for me, I think. All right, good stuff. Uh, but I will point out that your defense, I must say, is brilliant. Is, uh, is top heavy as well. And the lower half, I would say, is rather suspect, I must say. Uh, you know, you got Carlson. No question there. John you got Carlson. Petrangelo. And Eric Carlson. Both Carlson. Carlson. Okay, and yeah, yes. But uh, I think John Carlson is a solid, a solid pick there. You have Alex Petrangelo, nice pickup. But then, like the next four guys, all right, they're just they're all question marks. All right, Eric Carlson, I don't know if he can pivot anymore, uh, and he hasn't been able to pivot for the last year and a half. Uh, John Marino, like like he's not even the he's not the power play guy there. It's Chris Letang, and so you know I know he had a nice season, but uh, the sophomore slump is coming. Uh, Charlie no. McAvoy, uh, it's, this man's an eternal fantasy disappointment i've had him on my team in the past uh it's like this guy never delivers on fantasy uh, he's a nice piece for boston but uh i'm telling you it's not happening there and uh you just picked up rasmus anderson yesterday uh you know it's like look sure but like he's your sixth defenseman so uh i'm just i'm just pointing it out there uh look we'll we'll keep tabs on this fantasy league uh in particular when we go up against each other but uh, i'm fully expecting right now at this point just just go, you're gonna get routed not even going to be close. I can't believe you would... The Eric Carlson pick, I think, was a stroke of pure genius, to be honest. Not only the fact that all these 10 months off are going to probably give him... And all that rest is going to make him very eligible for a bounce back. But also, all right, Eric Carlson last year, what everyone says is like the most disastrous year you could possibly have, 40 points in 56 games. Uh, that's a point-per-game pace. It was 12th among defensemen in point-per-game. And... Points is the most important thing for our skaters. If we were playing in uh, like a Yahoo League or something or for a league at plus minus, I would love to stay far away from Eric Carlson. It was a minus 15 last year, but we don't have to care about that. It's mostly all about offense. Of course, power play points, those help too. I'm sure he'll get plenty of time on there. I know the Sharks probably aren't going to be great, but Eric Carlson, he was 12th in points per game for defenseman last year, and I think that number is going to go up this year. Uh, since last year was apparently the worst possible year he could have ever had. So I think that's a great pick for me. But anyway, enough about us. Enough about us and our fantasy leagues, because we actually have a lot to talk about. Uh, first of all, we'll get this out of the way first. We haven't had an episode since the World Juniors ended. 
in very sad fashion. Um, honestly, I think we were all getting a little ahead of ourselves with Team Canada. There was a lot of talk like, oh, is this going to be, is this going down as like one of the greatest Canadian junior teams of all time? And, and you know, well, obviously no, not now, now that they didn't win gold, kind of. But like leading into it, it definitely seemed like a reasonable question to ask. But like, you know, we got a, we got a bit ahead of ourselves for sure. They dominated against Russia. They scored in the first minute, and I was like, yeah, okay, this seems like it's all over. And Russia barely got any offense. They had that one goal that was called back on the offside of half an inch, but uh, it was a 5 nothing score. Devin Levi tied the record, the tournament record for most shutouts, which I think Spencer Knight actually tied like the next day against Team Canada. Uh, but, you know, okay, Team USA, when they beat Canada in the gold medal game in 2017, that was devastating because... It was in the shootout, I think, was the big reason why it was devastating. And because Canada actually, I think, outplayed them during actual hockey time. And also blew a couple leads. They had a 2 nothing lead, they had a 4 2 lead, they blew it, and they lost in the shootout. Which, even if Canada had won that shootout, it wouldn't have felt as good to win in the shootout. So I'm very happy this tournament got rid of the shootout for uh, for medal games. Uh, this year, though, I was kind of at peace with it pretty soon after. Like, obviously, you know, a little bit bummed out. But, like, yeah, Canada definitely got outplayed. Uh, they even they had a bit of momentum, but USA just had you know that everyone was talking about that defensive style and that discipline. Like you know, USA's always talking about when you're playing Canada, you got to you know push them to the outside and heart and grit and stuff. And they did it. They did it perfectly, which is pretty hard to do. So yeah, USA deserved the win. And then of course they have that picture with the the trash can at the end, which uh, I don't know. Do, do you have any thoughts on that barrel? Uh, you know, I thought it was pretty funny. Look, uh, you know, I I think any 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 all sorts all sorts of stuff like that, you know. Uh, I think it just uh, you know all the taunting stuff. I just think I just happen to think it makes the makes the viewing experience a bit more entertaining. You know, like all this, all this talk about disrespect and and honor and whatever and whatnot. Like I couldn't care less. I think it's hilarious. Uh, even if Canada did lose, uh, just the fact that they thought, you know what, we're gonna bring out a garbage can, we're gonna stick the team the team Canada logo onto it, and we're gonna take a picture with it. I think it's hilarious. Uh, you know, just. One, one, another experience from another league that I had just yesterday, uh, and it was the Titans. They were uh, my favorite NFL team. They lost in the playoffs, and uh, the opponents, at the end of the game, upon uh, sealing their victory, started dancing on the logo, and a whole bunch of people got up in arms about it, disrespect and whatnot, but uh, I thought it was funny. So, uh, you know, it just, look. Oh, on another note, uh, the NFL, there was another NFL playoff game that was broadcast on Nickelodeon. And they had a little SpongeBob bit, and they had like fucking slime cannon visuals, like CGI, uh, and they had like like freaking young Sheldon coming out to explain the rules to the kids, uh, to the the kids in the audience. And uh, you know, some people think it's dumb. I think it's fun, uh, and you know, it's jokes. And I love the, the even if it, maybe it's a bit gimmicky, but hell, you know, I'm all for it. And so yeah, that, that's that's the the bit on the garbage can. But aside from that, you know, it's just uh, look. We, absolutely, we did get ahead of ourselves. Uh, this whole uh, "is this the best Canadian team ever?" talk. Uh, we should we should have saved that after we won the gold medal. If we did that, and clearly we did not. And so you know, it's just yeah, it it just you know, if, if it really was the greatest team of all time, they would have been able to overcome a perfect game by the states, and they weren't. They just weren't. The states shut them down. They had a great game plan going in, and they executed it to perfection. And that's 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 how you have to beat Canada in this tournament. Clearly. Um, and they did it. So hats off to them. Uh, Spencer Knight had, you know, he had a rough start to it. We were like, what's going on with Spencer Knight second year in a row? 
Uh, but he uh, bounced back in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I mentioned, he had that shutout record. He was, uh, it was, he really got going. And that was the thing with the States, right? They, they needed to get Spencer Knight going. Uh, and if they did, they had like the best goalie in the tournament. Uh, like, you know, just on paper wise, like uh, prospect caliber aside yep. from, you know, like him and Askarov, right? So yeah, he got going and it was really tough to beat him. And just the sk- skater wise too, the States were better. And so really there isn't much more to say than that. Uh, and I mean, like I wasn't, yeah, I was like you, I was at peace with it relatively quickly. I was like, okay, I'll play this. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly attached to this team. I don't know what it is with team Canada, but, I was. uh, you know, Oh, really? I okay. love this team uh, and just... watching them kill Finland and Russia. Oh, it was so much fun, whatever. Um, so with a, wait, were you done talking? Cause I have something else to say. Yeah, I'm done. Go for it. Okay. So with the barrel thing, the trash can, uh, whoever it was who asked, I think it was the Team USA coach, Nate Lehman, after, like, what was that with the trash can? And he was like, oh, no, 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 not a tra- you're taking it all wrong. Uh, that's a, it's like our team motto, like one barrel at a time. And everyone was kind of dunking on him for being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure, buddy. Yeah, wait, wait, wait to improv. Pretty good improv there. But honestly, I think he was telling the truth. I think he was being totally sincere. I, don't, I think hockey men are so boring that he didn't even – the thought – that what he was doing could possibly be considered as outrageous as a trash can with a logo. Didn't even occur to him. And he was like, what What are you guys talking about? A trash can? I'm not that rude. It's a barrel for motivation. But but wait a second. Wait a second. Okay, that, that's, that's, all, that's all nice and good. But think about it. Who the fuck says we're going to take this one barrel at a time? That makes no sense whatsoever. Like, it's all nice to say, okay, we're, we're going to do, we're going to go. Like, where does he get this idea? It's clearly just a cover-up. For the fact that it's a trash can. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, you look at the pictures. The evidence states so clearly. Maybe it's a... You could maybe pass it off for a barrel. But like then you look at the context. Who the hell would say, Okay, boys. You know what we need for some motivation? We're going to take this tournament one fucking barrel at a time. Uh, it just... Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, you know you know what? If people believe it. If it's that convincing, good for, good for the coach. Because uh, that's one way to save face. I think if it was really a trash can, if they were really trying to dunk on Canada, he would have said something like, oh, why don't you go ask the players about that? Wink, wink, or something like that. I think he seemed pretty dumbfounded in the interview. Like, no, no, it's a barrel. What are you talking about? It's a barrel. So I don't know. Uh, One thing I think that did take the sting off the loss a bit was Cole Caulfield. I was very happy for him. See him all smiling with his gold medal. So that was nice to see. And it kind of, you know, made me feel a little bit better. Oh yeah. Let's go. Uh, You know, I gotta say, pro- like, is he like the most polarizing prospect at this point in the league? Uh, I know one part of it is uh, like he plays for the Habs, huge market. Leafs hate him. Uh, Leafs fans hate him. But uh, like, I it, he's so divisive on Twitter, is he not? Like, it's always like uh, okay. uh, either we think he's the Lord and Savior, but a whole bunch of people think he's a complete bust already, even despite the fact that he was drafted like two years ago. Okay, I don't think anyone worth listening to really thinks Cole Caulfield is a complete bust. Maybe some people think he's been underachieving a little bit, but I think most of what you're seeing is Lee fans just dunking on him because they got Nick Robertson so much later and they're at probably a comparable level, I, I guess we could say. And like a lot of what I see um, is like, uh, you know, stuff like, oh, Topi Nimala is the elite scorer and Cole Caulfield hasn't scored as much in the tournament, lol, and stuff like that. But honestly, no one, no one's really honestly thinking. Yeah, Cole Caulfield, terrible pick, gonna be a bust. 
at this point. Like, unless you're seeing things that I'm not seeing. No, no, I just want, like, I can't, like, there are just so many people going out of their way to dunk on Cole Caulfield. Uh, it's just, it's kind of jokes, you know? Like, I've never seen it before. Like, he's a prospect. He hasn't played a single NHL game. People going out of their way to dunk on him uh, yeah, out think, of nowhere. I think that uh, a know, lot of that, kind of I think a lot of that is because of people like me. Like, obviously, like, not many people know me, but, like, people like me who are taught, like, in Cold Coffee, as soon as he was paid, like, pumping up, like, yeah, this guy's going to be the next elite goal scorer at Leafs fans as soon as Nick Robertson kind of is, is showing flashes that he might be at the same level of player is just like, yeah, yeah, k- kill the Habs excitement, kill the Habs excitement, you know, which is, of course, uh, mostly all in good spirits. I haven't really seen that much... Uh, you know, ne- negativity going back and forth in the Cole Caulfield, Nick Robertson debate. Mostly all fun and games. Yeah, yeah, nothing nasty. Just uh, just trying to dunk on each other. It's the highs in the least. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. Okay. To be honest, so, uh, I still expect, I think- uh, I, even though Nick Robertson has uh, made it, he has played his, NH- his first NHL games already back in the bubble, I still think that Cole Caulfield uh, is going to be by far the superior player. He's probably going to win a couple of Rocket Richards, maybe a couple of Con Smythe, Art Rosses, maybe a Lady Bing for good measure, you know, good gentlemanly conduct. Nick Robertson, uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll let him have a, win a playoff round or two every now and then, but uh, not too much. Anyway, moving on uh, into, well, a lot of st- waiver stuff is going on. And if we can do the have, the have one first, uh, they are one of the only teams that have lost a player on waivers so far in this little uh, preseason situation. Noah Juleson, 2015 first round pick lost on waivers to the Florida Panthers. Very sad. Um, looking back. All right. Let's go back to like 2013. All right. Michael McCarron, first round pick. Traded for Laurent Dauphin, who's who's a minor leaguer now in the Habs system. So they still have something to show for that pick. Um, next year, Nikita Sherback lost on waivers. Year after that, Noah Juleson, now he's lost on waivers. Then, of course, Sergachev, Paling, Kotkaniemi, Caulfield, Caden Gooley. A little too early to tell with those. But I think it's fair to say 2013 to 2015 was definitely something of a dry spell with those first rounders. I didn't love the Juleson pick at the time. I was hoping they would go with Brandon Carlo. Uh, and as it turns out, I was right because Brandon Carlo is better than Noah Juleson. In hindsight now, Sebastian Ajo would have been pretty sick. But honestly, even at 35th overall, that was kind of a reach at the time. Uh, but anyway, Juleson obviously had that big injury, big scare. Uh, good for him that he bounced back. Honestly, I wasn't really expecting him at this point to ever turn into a like a, a full-time NHLer. There isn't that much room on that. There wasn't much room on the Habs lineup for this year, at least. And next year, I mean, you know, how old is he now? He's like tw- about 23, 24. But looking at the Panthers, of all the teams that would have claimed him, I would not have expected the Panthers. Not only because, like, okay, they already have, like, their sixth defense seems pretty set in stone at the moment. Unless, um, okay, Marcus Nudevar is injured now, I guess. Uh, Kevin Connaughton is on a, a PTO. They got, of course, Ekblad. Gudis, Stillman, oh, where's Keith Yandel? What happened to, where, why don't I see him? Keith Yandel is listed as a healthy scratch on Cap Friendly. That is weird and unexpected. Uh, anyway, uh, they also claim Gustav Forsling on waivers. So now they have like two players on waivers that would appear to be like maybe they're eight, nine defensemen. Uh, so unless you're going to hold on to them uh, as your healthy scratches, I think there's a chance here, a chance we see Noah Juleson back on waivers again. Uh, and then if it's within the next month, 
Montreal would be able to claim him and put him in the minors without having to use waivers. So maybe he's not gone forever. Yeah. So something to keep track of in the future. But for for first of all, just the Habs like the the draft record. If you go, you know, pre Sergachev is so bad for the first round. Uh, like it's not even just those three years. Like you go back, they're completely unable to draft anyone. Uh, remotely good aside from like maybe Alex Galchenyuk but even then he was also a disappointment because they screwed up his development so you know and then you go all the way back to Louis LeBlanc who you know legendary bust so you know, yeah Beaulieu, like what do they do uh like you know it's just like uh it's not a good time uh not in the first round anyways but uh you know Jolson I think it was just uh, there's there's no space on this roster I think the Habs like him uh well he's been in the organization for what feels like forever now right five years uh, and yeah, it just, it just feels like he got, uh, he got shafted by bad luck every single time, you know, uh, he, he had, he had a nice little breakout season a few years back and then he got injured with his whole eye thing and then out for a couple seasons and then, you know, and then now he shows up and shows up to have training camp and there's no, there's no real space for him on the roster on defense. Right. Uh, like yeah. whose spot is he taking? There's just no space for him. So to see him on waivers is, is not a surprise at all. And yeah, to see him claimed is, uh, you know, it definitely sucks to see, you know, losing a first round pick for nothing, even if it is five years later. Uh, and, you know, he's nothing special or anything like that. But, uh, you know, hopefully, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic uh, for a return in the near future because, yeah, I don't think uh, there's, yeah, I looked at that too. And, you know, maybe maybe Florida gives him a chance on the bottom pair. Uh, you Hope know, so. Nuda out, you know, and uh, that'd be cool. That would be very cool. But, uh, you know, just still holding out. And, you know, he wasn't a complete bust. You know, it's just, it just, well, maybe, you know, he's too young for that because, mm-hmm. frankly, he just really hasn't gotten much of a chance because of the bad luck that he faced. So, uh, I think a couple yeah. of years ago when he was like 21 or so, he had ste- he seemed to have a spot on the bottom pair pretty much locked down behind like Weber Petrie. He was the number three right D and he was doing all right. I think that he was like sent down at one point in the middle of the year just to like, you know, sometimes you send down a young defenseman and that's when he got his injury and he never was never really able to climb back up the depth charts again after that. Um, I'm, I see on my Twitter feed right now, John Liu and Arpan Basu both tweeted like at the exact same time that Thomas Tatar just invented a new term in the hockey lexicon to describe Josh Anderson. Apparently he called him a power horse. He's a power horse, Josh Anderson. Ha 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 ha. All right. Um, so other waiver news, unless you have any thoughts on Power Horse. Nope, I got nothing. All right, brilliant, brilliant. Other waiver news, Corey Perry is on waivers. Michael Froelich is on waivers. Perry is a surprising one. Um, of course, I think Montreal, even though we have a, like, the 23-man roster is the you know standard amount, Montreal is now in the uh, so close to the cap. One of those teams is close to the cap that you can't afford to have all 23 players on the active roster. So that's why they might end up having to have like 12 forwards and 70. And it appeared the choice was between, between waving Corey Perry and Victor Mate. I think they absolutely made the right choice in waving Corey Perry, even though I think he's probably going to get claimed by someone. Obviously, you know, everyone loves heart grit leadership, all that stuff, pedigree and very cheap cap hit as well. Uh, Habs laugh says Ottawa might be someone looking into that. I think they they have plenty of fourth liners. But that's just my opinion. New Jersey maybe you know they kind of have questionable depth. Seems like New Jersey might claim anyone these days and don't. But uh, yeah, and I'm just looking at the bottom 
of the of the league in terms of who has cap room. And I got three teams up, and I named two of them. So I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in Corey Perry. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I think maybe his Montreal career is about to come to an end with zero games played. Man, you feel for the guy who is uh, the Habs pajama boy, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, childhood fan of the Habs. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, I agree. There was no chance in hell that you're putting Victor Matei on waivers at this point. Uh, like, he would be snapped up in a, in a second. No no chance. And, and with Corey Perry, you know, I still think there's a chance he passes through waivers. I don't think it's a guarantee. Uh, because he is 35. And, you know, like, if you're a team, if you're a young team like Ottawa, like, I understand, like, looking into a guy like him for, like, veteran leadership or whatever. But at this point, you're probably trying to give the young guy some time. And Corey Perry... Definitely not in your long-term, you know, your long-term plans for the future. So, you know, maybe maybe even a contender with some cash space takes him. But, you know, I don't think it's a guarantee because Corey Perry, I don't think he's such a hot commodity. Uh, you just you just look at the fact that he wasn't signed until like a couple weeks ago and he's destined for the taxi squad now. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. My expectation, because waivers, honestly, uh, at this time of year, everybody's putting people on waivers. And so even the fact that someone got claimed, like like Noel Juleson, is a surprise. So, look, my expectation right now is that he won't get claimed because everybody's trying to shed roster space, uh, free up those roster spots, get to the 23-man limit, or get under the cap. And I, I like, you know, I don't really see it happening because there are a bunch of other guys who you could also claim uh, because, you know, everybody's putting people on waivers. Jujar Kyra on waivers for the Oilers today. And, uh, you know, a whole a bunch of other guys. You want Martin Marinson on your defense? You can go get him right now for free. Please don't. So, uh... Don't do that. You should not want Martin Marinson on your defense. Jujar Kara, though, that's that's 1.2 million. And that's the kind of, like, I know it doesn't sound like a lot compared to other NHL contracts, but at waivers at the beginning of the year, 1.2 million, even if it was just for a year, like, you have that versus you have Corey Perry at 750K. Like, I know who I'm taking, and it's the guy who's about 500K cheaper. And it's also kind of, you know, the heart and grit and pedigree player, Corey Perry, who, you know, will kind of, you know, have the whatever effect that Wayne Simmons is having or is expected to have in Toronto where you kind of wake up all the everyone else or something. But uh, obviously all that intangible talk. We don't like that. We don't like intangible talk. Michael Froelich, I think, is also on waivers. That one's not a surprise. I don't really care too much about that, uh, to be totally honest. I don't think he's going to be getting claimed. Um, Tyler Johnson. Interesting name. Interesting name on waivers once again. Uh, he was on waivers in October. Wasn't claimed. If he wasn't claimed then, I don't see how he could be claimed now. Would have been nice for the Senators. I'll reiterate, if you just didn't trade a second rounder for Derek Stepan, and now here comes a chance again to uh, to claim Derek Stepan, who's cheaper and better. Um, but I, I don't see Tyler Johnson getting claimed just because he wasn't claimed in October, and now everyone's even tighter with in terms of roster spots and flexibility and, and such yeah absolutely it's clear and obvious Tampa's trying to get him get rid of him for free they don't want to add any sweeteners they'd rather just get rid of him on a ravers and because uh that contract is uh the probably the easiest one for them to shed it's the most obvious one anyways so uh i'm sure you know, i don't love, think any team's taking the bait right now yeah i'm sure they would love to add a sweetener to get rid of johnson but the problem is the no trade clause and this is the only way you could oh, get right. rid of him uh Kalorn, i'm surprised uh, I think because obviously because with Kucherov now on on LTIR that kind of solves the problem for this year, but you're going to have the exact same problem next year. So if someone did claim Tyler Johnson, which they I'm sure they don't expect to happen, but maybe they're just you know throwing shit at the wall as you say, and 
maybe say, oh, maybe someone will take Tyler Johnson, and maybe that'll help solve our problem for next year. Uh, if not, I think Kalorn has to be the one who's gone, just because it's a modified no trade. And so I'm, I'm not sure exactly the details of it. It says uh, a 16-team no trade list. So that's going to be half the team you can deal with to get Kalorn off your books. I think that might end up being your only option uh, a year from now. And yeah. yeah, who's coming off the books next year? McElhaney, Luke Shen, Blake Coleman, Barkley Gaudreau, uh, who are all pretty cheap. So yeah, Tampa, uh, whenever the next season starts, is going to have uh, the same cap troubles to deal with. They won a cup, though. Yeah, so, who cares? You know, you, they don't care. Exactly. They won a cup. They don't care. They can uh, they can party for the next five years for all they care. Obviously, they want to win another one, but uh, they won the one. And that's the important one, right? So, uh, you know, cap troubles. Who really cares? Their team is still stacked. Uh, it's still the team to beat in the Central Division. Uh, okay. It looks so, like um, it looks like we are getting yeah. our first official transactions of players getting assigned to the taxi squad, and it's with Pittsburgh. Frederick Gaudreau, Drew O'Connor, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, Alex Dorio, and Maxime Legacy have all been assigned to the taxi squad. Oh, and Anthony Angelo. Those are their six. So I assume they've already cleared waivers. Is that the deal? Uh, yes, I'm pretty sure that they have. Yes, they have. Okay, yeah, yeah, they cleared yesterday. Yeah, I saw, Leg- I saw Legacy's name. Okay, all right. Taxi squad. Lots of fun. We'll see who's on the halves one. I'm excited to see it. And uh, all right. Hopefully Corey Perry so makes Wilson. it. Yeah, fingers crossed. Ooh, okay. Looking, so, on waivers. Yep. Matthew Perot. No one's gonna claim him though. It's like four million, I think. Um, yeah, Perry for a leak. Uh, Oliver Shillington, another interesting name. Louis Erickson, not such a surprise. Uh, Shillington, that's an interesting one. Um, I feel like that is that could be a target for some teams. Like if I'm Florida. And I know obviously it's too late now for them, but now the choice between Juleson and Shillington, I'm taking Shillington. He's played more in the NHL. He's done a pretty decent job as far as I know. Um, I don't think Montreal's in the market to claim anyone considering, you know, they, they're losing players on waivers. Uh, but someone, maybe Detroit, they seem to like Swedish defensemen, Swedish players in general a lot. And I think they're still at the top of the priority order. So Shillington, there, that's your big name to keep an eye on from me. All right. Excellent. Okay. So... Now that we've covered the waivers, shall we move on to our uh, season preview segment? Of course, season preview segment. All right. So uh, we've all, we've, we've not all of us, two of us, both of us have got our division predictions for the standings right now. The Central, the North, the East, and the West. I am not going to call them by their sponsor names. I refuse to. Uh, and so we could do this in a number of ways. Personally, I want to maybe end with the North Division since it's obviously the most fun for everyone involved. Uh, perhaps you agree with me. Where, where would you like to start? All right. Uh, hmm. So let's get from least to most interesting, in my opinion. Uh, let's start with the uh, the West, where I think it's a pretty clear cut divide in terms of uh, the haves and the have nots there. Yeah. All right. We've talked about this ever since the initial uh, reports of who's playing where. It's like, well, that West. There's a lot of disparity there for sure. Seems like Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis are probably going to be feasting upon everyone else. That's my my top three, by the way, in that order. Colorado, and then Vegas, and then St. Louis. The reason it was pretty easy for me to have St. Louis number three because I'm very, you know, I'm not very confident in that goaltending situation. 
Jordan Bennington just really shat the bed in the playoffs. And he doesn't have Jake Allen now as insulation uh, because Vili Huso is a new backup who was a pretty good AHL goalie for the past little while. Uh, St. Louis also just officially signed Mike Hoffman, so that's going to be a nice boost for them. Uh, Tarasenko is still out for a while, as I mentioned earlier. Hoffman is probably a pretty decent replacement, and then pretty soon they're going to have both of them, so it won't really be a, a replacement anymore. Of course, also there's losing Petrangelo and replacing with Tori Krug. Overall, I think St. Louis got worse this offseason. Uh, Petrangelo to Krug, I think, is a significant downgrade, especially because Petrangelo was your captain. Like, you know, that kind of makes an impact. And the goaltending situation, the fact that they have one starting goalie who I don't believe in very much and a backup who I believe in even less. I still have them third in the division, though. Yeah, well, because there's just, you know, I think I think, I think I see three tiers here. I see Colorado Vegas, two powerhouse studs who are loaded. Their, their goal here is to win the Cup this year. And then you see St. Louis, who, yeah, I agree. They dropped off a bit, talent-wise. And just, I don't really believe in them this year. That goaltending situation, absolutely. Because Bennington had that, obviously, he had that great half-season stretch. Brought them to the Cup. Won the Cup. Uh, but, you know, last season, not even just the playoffs. He wasn't really that good. He wasn't it wasn't his uh, 20, what is it, 2018 self? 2019. Uh, 2019 self. Okay, all right. Yeah, he well, wasn't his 2019 self. And, you know, Hoffman's a nice addition. But, yeah, they you know, they lost Petrangelo. That's big. And... It just I just don't see it in terms of like they're just not at the level of Colorado and Vegas. But yeah, you look at the other teams in this division and I don't see them missing the playoffs. I don't think there's any way because just talent wise, even if they have taken that step back, it's just another level compared to the teams of, you know, Minnesota, Arizona, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and San Jose. It's not even close. Uh and and that's the order that I have the the rest of the teams in. Uh the fourth spot I have Minnesota because uh really they kind of win the spot by default because all these other teams I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, Minnesota, they have some additions this year. Uh, you know, that Johansson trade we talked about was the stuff for Johansson. We didn't like it for Minnesota uh, and still stand by that. I think it was a downgrade, especially you look at the division now, like you should be pushing for a playoff spot because this is, I mean, you've been gift wrapped for a perfect opportunity to take one. Uh, and, you know, they have Kaprizov this year, super excited about the league's buzzing about him. And, you know, Cap Talbot who I have in my fantasy league, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, I think he's a notable upgrade over Devin Dubnik, who I think was absolutely terrible, and who goes to another member of this division. Uh, so, you know, Cam Talbot was very serviceable in Calgary, part of that tandem with, uh, was it David Riddick? Yep. And and he was, he was solid in the playoffs. You know, nothing spectacular, but solid. And Minnesota plays a good defensive system, so I think he could thrive in there. That's why I took him in, the fan- in fantasy, by the way. I think he'll have a very good year. Uh, anything you want about Minnesota? Yeah, I have Minnesota in my number four as well. And I think, honestly, I could be talked into even putting them above St. Louis because, first of all, as you say, Talbot, big upgrade, big upgrade over Devin Dubnik. And behind that defensive system as well, as you say, Devin Dubnik, that was the big reason he thrived when he came there like five or six years ago was because, you know, previously he had been on teams like the Oilers and the Coyotes. Not exactly an ideal situation for a goaltending to be in, especially back in 2014, 2015. So now Talbot, I think, um, I don't want to say similar effect because Talbot's already been he'd been doing all right for the past little while. That's a starting goalie, I think, for Minnesota. Uh, the stall trade, that was stupid. Um, they downgraded from Luke Cunning to Nick Benino. That trade, though, I think was pretty good because there were also draft picks involved, helped them get Kuznodinov. But just on the immediate roster, that is a downgrade. 
but I think the addition of Kirill Kaprizov, who might be their best forward immediately, uh, him and Fiala, I think that's going to be a big difference. So overall, I'm going to say Minnesota got better as well because of Talbot, because of Kaprizov. I still have them at number four. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I might want to like move them up to a little ahead of St. Louis. Not, No, I won't. I won't. I'll leave them there. I have Arizona as my number five, San Jose six, Anaheim seven, and Los Angeles. I have them eight. That's just because I think I have a, a feeling that players like Byfield, Turcotte, and all their young guns, they're going to have them play in the AHL in the Ontario reign for another year. You know, maybe get to know each other and stuff, especially, you know, none of them have played professionally yet. So I think they're going to do that. I think that's going to be another down year for them. And then year after, I think there's going to be a big youth influx on the team. And they might rocket up the standings a bit, but not yet. Yeah, LA's looking very scary for the future. But, you know, I just, I look at San Jose. Man, that team is is bad, man. Like, I just talked about Devin Dubnik. He's terrible. He's terrible. He was bad on Minnesota. And as I said, that's a good defensive team. San Jose, complete train wreck at this point, uh, you know, roster-wise. and so. You look, I just, the window's closed, first of all. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody at this point. And, man, I think they might be worse this year. They were freaking terrible last year, obviously. But I think, honestly, they might be worse. It's just, there's no light at the end of the tunnel right here. Uh, They need to go into complete rebuild, but they got a whole bunch of anchoring contracts. Uh, You know, you look at the Velasic one, that's the big one right there. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's definitely not a good outlook for San Jose. Uh, For the other teams, you know, Arizona, I have in fifth. They haven't done anything except like lose Taylor Hall. And uh, yeah, depth they had a completely additions. messy, messy, yeah, depth additions, but they had a completely messy uh, offseason this year, just all in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. And it's not a good franchise. It's not a good franchise. I don't see them passing Arizona, uh, Minnesota. And, you know, they have that solid tandem of Kemper and Ranta still. And, you know, they could carry them for a bit. But yeah, this, this roster just isn't good enough. Anaheim's the best California team just because of John Gibson. Alright, so we're more or less on the same page in the West. A couple uh, small differences, uh, but those are among the non-playoff teams, so nothing to argue too much about. Do you want to go to the Central next? I feel like that's the, the next most exciting. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Alright, so Tampa Bay, number one for me. Uh, I have Carolina ahead of Dallas. Carolina, two. Dallas, three. Uh, Dallas with uh, Anton Hudobin will be playing a lot with Ben Bishop injured. Um, I, I have a relative amount of confidence in him. Uh, I know he hasn't really started over an extended period of time unless he's past playoffs count as extended. Also the absence of Tyler Sagan, you know, so I think Carolina is going to be ahead of them. I also have a lot of confidence because Carolina, weren't they missing like a bunch of defensemen also near the end of the regular season, Dougie Hamilton, uh, Brett Pesci as well. So I think they're going to be even better in the regular season. And they were last year, and they were sixth in the in the Eastern Conference. So, and for the last spot, uh, I thought about Florida for like half a second, but it was mostly between Nashville and Columbus for me, and I ended up picking Columbus, uh, because I don't think they got much worse than they than they were last year. Uh, if anything, they got a little better. Obviously, they missed Josh Anderson for a big chunk of the season, and they. Replacing with Max Domi, which if so, if you just compare it to last year's roster, Max Domi is basically just an addition, like a, a free agent signing kind of, because Josh Anderson barely played. And you know, talking about like Tortorella and all these systems that he played, but like it's kind of true. They were a very disciplined team. We see that. We saw that against Toronto, 
and I don't really see that changing. So I give them the edge over Nashville, especially when you consider John Hines is a pretty bad coach. Nashville kind of, you know, they were very underwhelming after they hired him. They were very bad against the Coyote, losing to the Coyotes in the, the playing round in the bubble. So I don't have much faith in the, the Predators picking the Blue Jackets. The only thing that I think could, could maybe get me to change my mind is that whole Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. Apparently he wants out. Can't say I blame him. Not sure if that's really going to like loom large over the team, be a distraction. You can never really tell with that kind of thing. If they do trade him, though, and if they get like futures or something, then I would totally reevaluate this because he's a key part of the team. Yeah, so I've got basically the exactly the same rankings as you do for the Central. Uh, Tampa, no question, obviously the best team in the league there. Uh, and Dallas, you know, it's not just Bishop who's injured. You know, they got Sagan who's out. And that's, that's a huge part for a team who, you know, they can't really score. Right, that's not their strong suit. Their strong suit is their defensive play and their systems. So, you know, I think that's a big problem for them. But you know, it's not it's not enough to get them out of the playoffs. I just think that it puts them in third because uh, you know, I think that I think Hudobin, I have you know, it's a question mark. It's a question mark. I'm I'm not saying it's gonna be a disaster. It's just uh, yeah, we've never seen him start uh, on a regular basis in the regular season, right? And he's always really been a backup. So, but you know, once Bishop comes back healthy, that'll be one hell of a tandem. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen Bishop have, have his struggles with staying healthy, but uh, hopefully he can get it together. Carolina, uh, just young and dangerous, young, fast, explosive, and all that. So absolutely deserving of, of second place in this division. And Columbus, they're just pesky, man. They're just pesky. We saw it, obviously, when they beat Tampa a couple years ago, and you just they just don't quit. I think, uh, as much as I it pains me to say it, and Tortorella is a very good coach. Uh, I think he's evolved uh, in, in Columbus. And... Uh, they're just playing very disciplined hockey, as you said. So it's just, I like them over Nashville. Like the vibes in Columbus are certainly better than the vibes in Nashville because the vibes in Nashville are of an aging, declining team whose window is shut, has shut, especially with, you know, obviously what we saw last season uh, in the bubble. And it's just, they're wholly average, man. They're just, this, there's nothing spectacular on Nashville's roster at this point. And Florida, I th- every time we talk about Florida, I talk about how I have no faith in them whatsoever, even when they're gift wrapped the best of opportunities to make the playoffs. I will not believe it until I see it with Florida. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those teams, kind of like Buffalo, uh, you know, kind of like the Jets in the NFL or whatever. Uh, it's just, I won't see it until I believe it. And that's what it is with Florida. I won't believe it until you see it. Exactly. Uh, right. I won't see it until season, I believe it. I won't see it until I believe it. Uh, and uh, now, you look, yeah, you look at last season, Toronto was struggling, and Florida had a, Perfect opportunity, win some games, you know, make make a claim for that third spot in the Atlantic. They did not do it. So, uh, you know, I don't believe in Florida at all. And the last two teams, you know, Chicago, they got a bunch of young people, but, uh, you know, Kirby Doc's out for the season, basically, right, four to five months. And, yeah. you know, it's just uh, the roster's not very good. It's not very deep at all. They have no goalies. That's a huge problem. So they're just no goalies. Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, and uh, a third guy whose name I don't remember. And Kevin uh, Lankinen. Kevin Lankinen. There we go. Maybe he'll bring something, but I doubt it. And obviously, Detroit at the end. Uh, 40 point watch over there. Nothing much to say there. Uh, just complete rebuild. And that's fine. They seem to be reveling in it. So good for them. When we're talking about John Totorella as a good coach, I want to make it clear. I think he's a good coach for a team like Columbus, a good coach for a team that, that's a wild card team, a team without that much talent. Uh, I think any team with Stanley Cup aspirations, I don't think John Tortorella would be the right coach. And we, every time we're talking about a rumor 
about a high skill player who maybe isn't so great offensively, like Mike Hoffman or Patrick Laine, potentially going to Columbus. Everyone's always talking about, oh, this player will not jive with Tortorella. This player is going to be forced to learn how to kill penalties, and they're going to end up on the third line. And that is, uh, that's bad. That's bad news for John Tortorella. If every time a high skill player who's great at offense and not so great at defense is is now is just disqualified from playing on your team because you don't coach them properly. But anyway, that's kind of a separate thing. At the bottom of this division, I put Detroit ahead of Chicago. Uh, Chicago got way worse. No goalie. Big mystery. Goal to, no, no even qualified backup. No even, Not even a good backup goalie. Uh, like, like when Buffalo was trying out Carter Hutton to be the starter, it was like, well, at least he's played in the NHL before. Not, Malcolm Subban has played a little in the NHL before. As a, He's a bad backup goalie for the most part. He had one great stretch in Vegas. That's pretty much it. And, of course, no Jonathan Taves. No Kirby Doc. This was a bad team that's gotten a lot worse this offseason. And Detroit was a bad team that's gotten a lot better. I think, honestly, uh, they improved more than any other team. I know even if they have improved more than any other team, that might still wind up with them coming in last place, considering how far away they were from from the second worst team. But, like, all right, look at the goalies. Thomas Grice, Jonathan Bernier. Either one of those. Chicago would love to have either one of those goalies. Uh, you look at the defense. Uh, first of all, they had lots of injuries last year, including to Danny DeKaiser for pretty much the entire season. And now look who, look who they've added. They've added Troy Stetcher. That's very good. They've added John Merrill. Very good uh, bottom-pairing defenseman. Then they just claimed Christian Juice as well. I've always been a, a fan of Christian Juice. Mark Stahl might even be pushed out of the lineup now with, uh, with, those, with those players in there. And, of course, forward, you know, a bunch of nice pieces. Bobby Ryan. Vladislav Nemesnikov. I'm not really seeing their lineup as this this black hole that it was last year. They've really done a nice job of of filling in the pieces, and so I think if you do that good of a job the off season, I think it knocks you up to uh, seventh, especially if you combine it with Chicago's absolutely miserable time. All right, so we differ there, and so that'll be uh, something to tra- something to track. Who comes in last in the Central? Uh, okay, all right. Off to the uh, Mass Mutual East Division. Never Ooh. heard of that company. But, uh, okay, Mass Mutual. All right. Uh, they're really selling everything out here to make that. Character. Don't look them up. Don't look them up. That's what they want. That's what they want I'm from not, us. I'm not, I'm not, man. I'm not looking it up. All right. Okay, here we okay, go. Good. No, I don't want to know well, what they do. Uh, this one, right. I think we're going to differ the most in this one. I have a feeling. So let's both okay. say our first place team at the same time. We can do this as a little activity, all right? Here we go. Yep. Three, two... One Washington, Philly. Okay. Okay. All right. All Would right. you like to go ahead first? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, I know obviously they crashed out last season. Uh, we saw that firsthand as fans of the Habs, and I, I don't know. Look, it just seemed like they were playing a different brand of hockey. We, they were, they were looking on fire in that round robin where they got that first seed, and that, that's kind of how they were playing the, near the end of the regular season last season. Just you know, speed. They're just dog it on the puck and they're built for it and i think Vigneault completely clowned in his coaching against montreal but i expect him to recover because they were playing that system in the round robin and you know he's got some time to think i don't think he's a great coach but uh i think he can figure it out and look at where they were successful and uh look this team just we, we saw we were scared of them when the Habs were playing them uh it's just it's quite stacked and you got carter hart obviously uh, who is just going to be one year older, one year better, one year more developed, 
and I think he'll be a complete stud. So uh, just uh, yeah, that's it. They're they're deep. They're they've got great top end talent. You know, you're looking at Couturier, obviously, and then Ivan Provorov leading that defense, uh, and you got a whole bunch of other players there. Oscar Lindblom, fresh off uh, beating cancer, love to see it. So uh, yeah, that's why I got Philly. Want to justify Washington there? I would love to, because everyone seems to forget every year that Washington is a great regular season team. Last year, I think they were about fifth in points percentage in the entire league, uh, which is actually a little lower than they're kind of used to over the past, I don't know, five to ten years or so. And the main reason why, Brayden Holtby was terrible. The entire season, Brayden Holtby was awful. Samsonov was way better. Uh, I know he kind of took over the starter's job, uh, about halfway through the season, I think. But Holpe, every time he played, pretty much, it was just like, it was it was a disaster for Washington, and they still ended up fifth in the league. So now, with Holpe gone, and Samsonov taking the starting job reigns, I have full confidence that they will return to form. Uh, the only thing some people are, besides that, that some people are slightly worried about, is like, aging core, kind of, Ovechkin, Backstrom getting up there. The only one I'm a little worried about is Backstrom, um, his production has slowed down a little bit. Ovechkin, uh, I don't think so. He's a monster. I think he's going to score at a 50-goal pace yet again. I'd be surprised if he didn't. So, yeah, goaltending is the big reason why. Uh, he'll be gone. Samsonov, I think, is a big upgrade directly from last year. I think he's going to be great. I think he'll be first in the East. Uh, I'm only worried about the backup. With Lundqvist not playing, um, now they've got, I think, like Phoenix Copley and Vitek Vanacek kind of... Uh, dueling it out for the the backup position but Copley was the backup there a couple years ago and it wasn't too bad so I think they'll be good yeah look I'm look I got them in where do I got them I have them fourth right now uh behind Boston and Pittsburgh and we'll get there but um you know honestly I don't have as much faith as you do in the goaltending I know I understand Samsonov looking very hopeful prospect uh and he could certainly do well but if he doesn't like yeah that Lundqvist thing I think it looms very large uh, just because, like, what are they going to do? What are you going to do if Samson, like, sucks? So, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's a, likely, it's a likely event, but, you know, if he goes through a rough stretch, there's really no one to pick him up and, like, to really pick up the slack in that, in that room, in that goalie room. Uh, and aside from that, yeah, everybody's old. This team is old as hell. And, you know, with, with age, you, you, you never really see it coming until you hit that wall. There's always that one year where it just seems like everything kind of falls apart. And I don't know. I, I get the feeling... Like, obviously, there's still lots of talent here, and that's why I got him in the playoffs over teams like, I don't know, the Islanders or the Rangers. But, you know, I could see him, like, I can see the decline definitely starting this season. I mean, I hell, I could say it started midway through last season. Like, they were great in the first half. The second half of the regular season, they were terrible. They completely choked. Uh, and it was a very rough stretch, and obviously, they did not do well in the playoffs at all. So, uh, it's just, look, uh, I, think, I, think the wall, I think the wall is here. The decline is here. And it's just like the defense is kind of suspect as well. It's nothing special at all. Uh, you got John Carlson, obviously, but everyone else, it's like kind of scratching your head what's going on there. And so I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah, that defense, especially with the fact that now you got a new starting goaltender and really no one behind that starting goaltender. It's, uh, I think it's definitely a cause of concern. That's why I don't have them as high as you do. I have the Flyers in fourth, uh, by the way. So I guess we have our first fourth swapping. Uh, yeah, so I've mentioned a couple times since like 2012, they've been alternating years in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs. 
out of the playoffs in all the odd numbered years. And this is an odd numbered year. I know it's, it's kind of a fun pattern. No one really seems to talk about it much. I, I do have it breaking this year, but I have it being close. Uh, I have it being close. Uh, one reason is because of the pattern. Uh, I actually, I guess I'll just say my, my two and three. I have Pittsburgh two, Boston three. I think those three teams are all better than the Flyers on paper. I know the Flyers were great. They were on a, a roll uh, near the end of the regular season, had a big losing streak. Uh, sorry, a winning streak, a big winning streak. Uh, but I look at the makeup of their forwards. I could see it drying up for sure. It has dried up because they've had a very similar core there for the past three, four years or so. And they aren't, no, they're not always firing on all cylinders. And another loss that I think is being very underrated is Matt Niskanen, who retired. Matt Niskanen was the top pairing defenseman on this team. And I think he complimented Provera perfectly. And now your top pairing defenseman retires out of nowhere. Uh, Gostas Bear is now playing on that top pair with Provorov, who's uh, not at all similar to Matt Niskanen, very different players. And in terms of actual personnel, you replace Niskanen with Eric Gustafson, who is also not very similar to Matt Niskanen at all. Uh, similar to Gostas Bear, very offensive-minded defenseman, good on the power play. So I think Matt Niskanen leaves a bigger hole in the lineup than people realize. Uh, and also, yeah, I don't have that much faith, faith in the forward group. And maybe it's just because they were very underwhelming against uh montreal i was expecting more dominance out of them and they didn't really show it but yeah i have the flyers in fourth i think they'll they'll barely squeak into the playoffs and if the islanders uh, get in ahead of them it wouldn't be such a big shock for me all right well looking at my uh, two three i've got the order flipped i've got boston and pittsburgh uh i'm not really worried about either of them though uh, i think they're both very good teams i think the east is a very strong i think it's the strongest division uh looking at the teams it's like just uh depth wise in terms of the teams it's uh, you could see like maybe five or six teams competing for playoff spots, but I think Boston and Pittsburgh, both pretty safe picks to make it. Uh, I mean Boston, uh, they lost Chara. I don't like he was a third pairing guy though, and but uh, you know that defensive depth is suspect, but their goaltending is so good, right? They got a they got the best tandem in the league. You have Rask, uh, elite starter, and Halak, probably the best backup uh, there is. And yeah, first line is intact. Well, well, not maybe not for the first month of the season. But you'll have Marshawn Bergeron Pasternak back eventually, and yeah, there's really nothing to indicate that there's there's going to be a, like a a huge drop off for Boston. I just think you know they just find ways to win, and they're very dangerous. And with Pittsburgh, uh, look, I just look, I just I just think Boston's just a really good team, uh, and you know I'm not worried about Pittsburgh either. I think they'll be fine. Uh, you know, just everybody's still there. Uh, Kapanen on paper, not a great trade, but I think you know he 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 he's an addition, like talent wise, to this roster. Would I have traded a first round pick for him? Absolutely not. But he's an addition. I think they're going for another cup this year because you know Crosby's still there, Malkin's still there, and all that. Uh, and yeah, Tristan Jerry taking the reins. That's uh, we'll see what's up there. But I'm looks promising. It looks like they have uh, great faith in him, and uh, you know, yeah. Defense looks fine. I thought of, I thought of putting Pittsburgh first in the division, um, even though obviously the Kapanen trade was terrible. They traded Hornquist for Matheson, not good at all, not good. Bob uh, traded Bukestad for a seventh rounder, though he didn't play much last year. Uh, but overall, despite all those terrible moves, I think Pittsburgh got better for the sole reason that they bought out Jack Johnson. They bought out Jack Johnson, and they don't have the best replacements in the world, but Mike Matheson and Cody TC are both way better than Jack Johnson. I saw in Don LeCision's Penguin season preview, 
um, that Sidney Crosby, it looked like, if you look at some of the raw data, that he had a big decline in the production last year. And But then you, you dig a little deeper, and you see it's just really because he played with Jack Johnson so much. When he was uh, on the ice without Jack Johnson, he looked just like his normal self, among the best players in the NHL. When he was on the ice with Jack Johnson, uh, not very good at all. So with Jack Johnson out of there, as long as they don't play Crosby with Matheson, Matheson and CeCe too much, they should be fine. They should be better than they were last year. Uh, second in the division. I have Boston three uh, because that left side of the defense uh, is very suspect. Matt Grizzlick and who? And Jeremy Lozon, uh, little NHL experience. John Moore, t- plenty of experience, but he's not great. Jakob Zaborl, Uro Vakaninen, bunch of question marks. Very shocking to me that now with this glaring weakness on your team that you just don't seem to care that Tori Krug and Chara are gone. Like, Chara... He wanted to stay, and apparently the Bruins told him he wouldn't be playing every night, which is ridiculous because he is—he's the second best left shot on—he would be the second best left shot on the team on defense after Grizzly. He should have been in the top four if they brought him back, and he should have been playing every night. Maybe if you want to do like a bit of load management, rest him on back-to-backs since he's forty-three. Maybe that makes sense. But if you're trying to argue that Char would be the sixth, seventh, eighth best defenseman on that Bruins team, I don't buy it. Uh, the reason I still have them in third, uh, pretty comfortably, comfortably in a playoff spot, is because I kind of forgot they were kind of leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else in the regular season last year. They won the President's Trophy by like six points. I think they were already at 100. So even though those two losses are pretty big, I still think they're going to end up in a solid playoff spot. I got the Islanders fifth in the division. I thought about putting them in, but... I didn't, obviously. And I think they were actually like the fifth best in the regular season out of these teams. It's kind of weird to put uh, like a conference finalist out of the playoffs the next year. But, you know, tough division, whatever. Got the Rangers in sixth. Um, If they play Jack Johnson too much, I could see the Rangers being worse than Buffalo and the Devils. Uh, but, uh, But I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's a good point I just made. I'm moving Buffalo up to sixth. Buffalo, you, you made... You made some great additions, Buffalo. Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, you're going to show some steps in the right direction. I think Dylan Cousins should be pretty good. Rangers, you have Jack Johnson. You're in seventh now. And in last place, we have the New Jersey Devils. Corey Crawford is retired. Uh, that is, uh, I mean, obviously he can make that decision if he likes to. I'm sure that the Devils would have, uh, are kind of disappointed about this. Mackenzie Blackwood now is a starter. Scott Wedgwood is the backup. A couple of Woods on the team. Uh, yes, for Brad, I think who just signed his deal is ha- gonna have like some sort of visa issue, and he might be a couple weeks late or something. But um, yeah, Devils. I I I keep thinking the Devils are gonna take step forwards, but like I look at the teams on paper, they're clearly the worst one in the division. So it's hard for me to put them above last place. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, you look at the roster right now. It's just it just doesn't compare to you know. You look at the playoff teams. You look at the Islanders uh, and their defensive system. And, yeah, I think the Corey Crawford loss, pretty significant, obviously. Now you have to rely on Blackwood as your starter for, like, 30, 35 games maybe. And then you got to play Wedgwood the other, I don't know, 20 or 15. And that's that's a huge problem. And, yeah, I got, I got Buffalo in seventh and the Rangers in sixth. Uh, just because I think Buffalo sucks. But, uh, you know, I see the argument for, like, Buffalo leaping over the Rangers for sixth place. Um, you know, why not? Why not? You know, Taylor Hall. And, uh, you know, maybe I should really change my fantasy team name at this point, given that uh, Jack Johnson, even in spirit, can uh, really drag your team down. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the, the, the East for you. Um, like, man, the Devils suck. I'm, just, I'm looking at the roster right now. 
Jesus, there's there's nothing good here. Andres Janssen on the first line. Ouch. <laughs> All right. Final division. North division. The All-Canadian division. Everyone's favorite. I'm so excited to get this started in two days only. We have the Maple Leafs in first, in my opinion. I think they're kind of in a class by themselves in this division. Uh, in no other division would they be in first place. Uh, in the East, I'd probably have them like behind the Flyers, maybe. In the Central, maybe I'd have them like two or three. In the West, I'd probably have them three. It's first in the North. First in North. First in Canada. Uh, I got Edmonton, number two. Uh, you know, I don't think Mikko Kalsen is really that bad. I know the Clefbaum loss is uh, could hurt them. But Puliyarvi is going to be great as long as they play him enough, which they better do. Kyle Turris, that's a nice addition. Dominic Cahoon is a nice addition. It feels like they're finally rounding out their forward group with some competent depth, which is the thing we've been yelling at them about for a while. You get add Puliyarvi. I know that wasn't necessarily a transaction you made uh, this summer to acquire him, but you get the idea. Cahoon, Turris, that's the kind of, you know, cheap acquisition you should be making to to support McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. Of course, Tyson Berry, you think he's going to be a great fit. I'm a little bit uh, more skeptical on that side. Uh, but overall, this Oilers team, I think it looks pretty strong. And pretty strong should be enough to compliment McDavid and Dreisaitl into second in the division. Okay. Well, yeah, so first place, I have the Maple Leafs. I agree. Uh, you look at them, you look at their team, and it's just built different compared to the rest of the division. Frankly, the division is the weakest one, I think. Uh, it's just, it's all very mediocre, especially you look at like second to fifth. They're all a bunch of like okay teams that would, in a regular season, would probably be like competing for a wild card spot. Uh, and in second place, I have uh, the Habs. I have the Habs in second place. Because why not? Wow. Uh, you know, we saw, we saw. I thought, I thought, you know, I, we, we, we were both elated with what we saw in the bubble, and you know, we certainly weren't happy with what we saw in the regular season. But you know, I'm very optimistic with what we saw. We saw a one-two punch up the middle with Suzuki and Kakaniemi, and obviously you have Dano at three C now, but he could play as many minutes as you want because you know he's a one C caliber guy. And look, it's it's kind of similar to Pittsburgh in the situation that they made a bunch of awful. Uh, transactions or awful acquisitions, at least in our opinion, right, with Edmonton and Anderson, what we'll never stop harping about. But it's just, you know, they're bad acquisitions, but they, like, you know, they don't subtract from the team, right? Uh, they just, well, okay, maybe maybe the Domi trade subtracts from the team. But you add Joel Edmondson, that's terrible for your cap. Uh, well, yeah, the only the only qualm is if they, they give him too much playing time, but I don't see that lasting very long if he's clearly like the seventh best defenseman on the team and the, like his play on the ice uh, communicates that, which I think it will very quickly. So, you know, this team is very deep, as we've talked about, you know, just fantastic depth. And I think they'll take a step forward, especially in a division as weak as the Canadian one. Uh, I, I like their chances. I like their chances of coming second. Um, you know, I'm not that confident in them coming second. I'm confident in them making the playoffs because uh, I look at the other teams and they're just not very good. So that's that. Uh, and third place, I have, uh, I have Calgary. I have Calgary. I think they're underrated now. You know what? I think they're underrated because uh, that addition of Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom, um, it's just they finally have that goaltender, hopefully. you know. And, and all the indications suggest that he's, uh, he's a fantastic one. Obviously, great season in Vancouver last year. And look, Calgary's been looking for a goaltender all this, this whole time. Like Riddick and Talbot all, last year were all right. But the expectation with Markstrom is 
He's going to be fantastic. And I think that's a reasonable expectation at this point, uh, given what we saw last year. And so, you know, I think the forwards are still very good. Um, you know, let me let me just take a quick look at their roster. But uh, look, I have, I have confidence in the Flames. I have confidence in getting, them getting a third spot. I think between them and Edmonton, I think it's very close. I have Edmonton fourth. But uh, I think I think people are sleeping on Calgary because I think that Markstrom addition, I think it's a big deal. Yeah, uh, I agree. Markstrom, and that was a very nice addition. Uh, but it's not like Talbot and Riddick was a disaster. So if you're looking at like wins above replacement or whatever the number is, how many extra wins Markstrom's going to get you compared to Talbot? Uh, I don't think it's like as remarkably outrageous as you might be making it out to be. It's a good addition. It's a good upgrade for sure. Um, but I'm looking at uh, last year's league standings, all right? Because I'm curious about something. Uh, Edmonton was first. Toronto was second in the regular season, but they were very close among Canadian teams. Vancouver was three. Calgary was four. All right. So Calgary, I look at their team. Okay. So Markstrom, good addition. Uh, they lost TJ Brody in replacement with Chris Tanev, more or less. Uh, not super. Not super. They lost Hamannick as well. Uh, and forwards, they added, uh, they added Josh Levo and Dominic Simone, who are now actually kind of both playing in the top six. So overall, uh, the Flames... I have a hard time saying if they really got that much better. Uh, but last year, they were fourth among Canadian teams. Vancouver definitely gotten a lot worse. So that's kind of my rationale for putting them at number three. I put them at number three as well. Not because they made some sort of big improvement, but because I think they'll be more or less the same. Uh, and so I have them number three. And I have Montreal four. So we do have the same four teams in the playoffs, just in a bit of a different order. Uh, you say about Joel Edmondson, you think that... He is not going like it'll, it'll only take a little bit of time for him to start getting healthy scratched. Uh, sorry to burst your bubble. I'm pretty sure Joel Edmonds going to be playing in uh and in, in every single game as long as he's healthy, because even Carl Alsner, it took that entire full season where he played. I think he played 82 games for Montreal, uh, in that season, and he was bad in all 82 of them for the next year for him to get put on waivers and sent to the minors a little ways into the season after he was getting healthy scratched a bit. I don't think Edmonton's going to be as close to as bad as Alsner. So I think at least this full season, he's going to be playing and probably in the top four with Jeff Petrie. Um, as you say, you look at the team on paper. I'm not, I think Montreal got a lot better. Uh, I, I think they were uh, bad last regular season. They were objectively bad 24th in the, in the regular season in the league. And we, and you know, kind of a small sample size to talk about how great the playoffs were very encouraging. Of course, you look at the team on paper improvements, Tyler Toffoli, excellent. Jake Allen, wonderful. Josh Anderson. Apparently he's been great in training camp so far. Uh, and to be honest, you know, I could have swallowed the Domi for Anderson trade without that contract. We're going to talk about the contract again, Josh Anderson, Joel Edmondson, but obviously same thing. We're just looking at the teams on paper. Uh, Josh Anderson isn't bad. Uh, Joel Edmondson, uh, maybe that's a little bit of a different story. Uh, I don't think that's an upgrade, especially because now it's knocking Mate out of the lineup. So that is one reason I don't have them second. I think second is a bit too high, but fourth, yeah, fourth seems reasonable, especially Toffoli. I think even Habs fans, I think we're kind of underestimating how good Toffoli is going to be, especially he's on the third line listed with Kakanyemi and Armia. That's a great asset to have on your third line, Tyler Toffoli. Depth scoring, it's great. Paul Byron's got a couple shorthanded goals too in like the the scrimmages or something. So I'm cautiously optimistic Montreal's going to make the playoffs this year. 
Uh, but you know, even if they miss, if like Winnipeg or Vancouver gets hot and uh, and passes them, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world to me. Yeah, I completely forgot about Tyler Toffoli. Just completely slipped my mind. And really? uh, I think about it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just I just forgot about him. And uh, damn, I'm excited to see Tyler Toffoli on this team. Like uh, holy right? crap, one edition. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. So fifth place. I think we both have the same team at this point. Uh, you have Vancouver. Uh, have I have Winnipeg ahead of Vancouver. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So I got Vancouver fifth, and then I have Winnipeg sixth. Uh, you know, I think they're they're both pretty interchangeable as teams that won't make the playoffs, but are all right and mediocre. Uh, with Vancouver, they just it just looks like they're going to take a step back this year. They had an awful off season. Uh, you look, you know, first of all, they're goaltending. Uh, I it's a question mark. You know, it's a big time question mark. You obviously lost Markstrom. But uh, and you replace them with Braden Holtby. Obviously, their plan is to see Demko play some more games. But you know, obviously, much of their season success relies on Holtby playing a meaningful number of games, and that's not a good sign because, as we talked about with Washington, Braden Holtby is dog shit now. So he's just he's just not good. Uh, and aside from that, their bottom six is still a bunch of you know bloated contracts who aren't good, and their defense. So they added Nate Schmidt. That's a nice that's a nice uh, addition, but uh, you know it's all right. And it just they they, were, they weren't anything special last year either, you know. So you know it's just uh, yeah, I I think they're pretty clearly below like the top four that we both have. Yeah, uh, I think the main reason I put Vancouver below Winnipeg, well, it is the goaltending. You go from Markstrom who was, along with Pedersen, the sole reason you made the playoffs last year, to Braden Holtby, who's coming off, like, what was he, like a, an 898 last year in 48 games. Absolutely terrible. They're hoping Demko can kind of, you know, be somewhat what he was against Vegas for that short stretch in the playoffs last year. Wouldn't count on that level of performance. Even though I think their defense did get better, even though they lost Tanev and Stetcher. Losing Stetcher, that was pretty stupid. But just on paper, you add Nate Schmidt, and you're also probably about to sign Travis Hamannick, who's on a PTO. That's pretty nice. Uh, you lose to Foley, which is, again, this is all your bad contracts that you've signed in Free Agent Frenzy in action. You have Tyler Myers. You have Jay Beagle. You have Antoine Roussel. You have Brandon Sutter. And now you don't have room to retain a great top six forward who fit in perfectly with your team, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, excited to watch Niels Huglander because it looks like he's made the team and it looks like he's going to be playing on that second line with Horvat and Pearson. But as you say, the bottom six, just nothing. Nothing. A black hole for Tannen, Sutter, Mott, Roussel, Godet, Zach McEwen. Uh, so that's a big chunk of the game. You have those players on the ice, and you're probably going to be trapped in your own end quite a lot with one of Braden Holtby or Thatcher Demko in net. So it's not a recipe for success for the Canucks. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, not much has changed there uh, from last year to this year. And uh, Hellebuck, I'm not sure if he's going to be quite as good. In fact, it would be hard to be uh, that good um, after winning the Vesna last year. Uh, and, you know, especially with the heavy workload is what I was going to say. Uh, because how many games did he play last year? It was a lot. And the backup there is still Laurent Brossois, who's, uh, you know, maybe not among the best backups in the league. He played 58 games last year out of probably about 70 uh, that the Jets played about 70 everyone played so that's a lot and he's probably going to have to have a similar workload again so I think Hellebuck uh, kind of looking for him to maybe fall off a little bit but I still think that's going to be 100 times better than what Vancouver has to offer in net and of course Ottawa uh, last place 
with Derek Stepan, Alex Galchenyuk, Cedric Paquette, all their great additions. Uh, Matt Murray, how's he going to do? I would guess badly, especially when your right side of the defense is Eric Goodbranson on the top pair, Nikita Zaitsev, and Josh Brown. Absolutely awful right side of the defense. Imagine that right side next to Boston's left side complement each other perfectly. Um, uh, yeah, so I think I think that's going to be a, a disaster waiting to happen for, for Ottawa. I think they're going to be worse than they expect. I think uh, Dorian's hoping they take a step forward, and I, I don't think they do. No, it's just they just added a bunch of dudes, right? Like, Dadunov's a nice signing. Sure, you get them on the cheap. Nobody really, you know, because uh, of this whole uh, weird market thing. But, uh, yeah, this team, this team sucks. This team sucks, clearly in a rebuild. And, you know, Matt Murray certainly is not going to solve anything. Uh, I think we're both pretty down on Matt Murray because uh, we think he's not very good. We think he's overrated. I think he's overrated because of the Stanley Cup wins he had with Pittsburgh. Uh, and he just hasn't been very good the last couple of seasons and got his job stolen by Tristan Jari. So, uh, and there's just really not much to like here. Well, you know, Stutzel, probably gonna, almost definitely going to play some games this year because there's nobody there. And, you know, obviously you have Brady Kachuk. But aside from that, you look at their fucking center depth is uh, completely atrocious. There's nothing there. You look at their bottom six depth, there's nothing there. You look at their bottom four depth on defense, there's nothing there. Uh, there's just, there's nothing. There's nothing here except for like a, a few nice pieces for your future. And, and that's cool and all, but clearly not like this is hardly an NHL team at this point. And so, yeah, it's just a uh, bad organization, bad team on paper. Fully expect them to come in last. I don't see anybody on their level in, in this division. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll have the best odds in the in the draft lottery because I could absolutely see them being the worst team in the league. Uh, and that's that with Winnipeg. I'll go back to them. Uh, just, uh, yeah, they're deep. They did nothing to fix their defense. Absolutely nothing. It's the same six, basically. Uh, Tucker Pullman is still projected to be like on that third pairing. Really? Tucker Pullman. Uh, and their forward depth isn't anything special either. Like, you look at that bottom six, like some dude named Jansen Harkins. I've never heard of Jansen Harkins, but, uh, I love Jansen Harkins. All right. Well, uh, then I'll have to, I'll definitely see him a lot of, him, uh, a lot of him this year when he's playing Montreal, but, uh, sure never heard of him until now. So, uh, you know, just, uh, the depth is not there. Hellbuck's going to be overworked. And, you know, you hate to see it. But uh, that, that's Winnipeg. I don't see a huge improvement there at all. I see a step back, in fact. Okay. So. Yep. Oh, we made it. We made it, but yep, we didn't. That's everyone. I just realized we said we would, we said we would cover the – we would kind of like sprinkle in the team-specific news as we go. We, we, we kind of missed oh, out yes. a couple of them. Which we did not – yeah, we didn't mention Barzell yep. uh, getting his contract. Uh, not a surprise, not a surprise that he, uh, that they managed to get him locked in. He wanted a long-term deal. I think he only got three years, probably not exactly what he was hoping for, but it's a pretty nice number. I think for him, 7 million for three years. Uh, if you told me Barzal was signing three years, I probably would have maybe, uh, guessed a little less than seven, but that's definitely fair. I think, uh, because he's really, he's the offense driver on the Islanders. Um, when this deal is up, he is going to be uh a 25 or 26 about and i mean we're expecting maybe a big payday who knows if the flat's still going to be cap if the cap is still going to be flat or anything like that uh do you, did you have any special thoughts about the barzal contract yeah i thought it was a nice deal for him i think the aav is in a nice spot for a bridge deal it brings him to and and i it, i really like where it leaves him and his leverage at the end of the contract so you look at the salary and how it's designed 
He's getting $10 million in the last year, and that sets the bar for the qualifying offer for that next year uh, after his deal is up. So, you know, if the contract negotiations aren't nice, the, the Islanders can't find the space, he just accepts the qualifying offer, and the next year, he walks in as a UFA, uh, and he gets $10 million in that one year, uh, at least $10 million. Anyways, that's the qualifying offer. So, you know, I really like it for him. You know, just, uh, you know, you get the bridge deal done. Obviously, couldn't get the long-term thing done, but uh, three years from now, hopefully the cap is, uh, you know, starting to rise again. And if it doesn't, just take the qualifying offer, wait another year. Now you got all sorts of suitors because who the hell doesn't want Matt Barzal? Uh, and for the Islanders, yeah, you absolutely need to sign him because, frankly, there's no other offense on this team. Uh, just he completely drives. He's the only guy who can score, basically. So, uh, you know. Uh, you know, the Islanders good for them. They figured out their cap troubles, uh, you know, mostly thanks to Johnny Boychuk. And and they, they've got this guy locked down for a few years. But for Barzal, I like it better for him because it leaves him yeah. in a very nice financial position if he's able to, to keep playing at the level and, and keep developing because he's still young. Uh, I, he, could, he, he could absolutely cash in at the end of this thing. For all the talk about Lou Lamorella being a tough negotiator, you know, does, it doesn't really see... <laughs> doesn't like Matthew Barzal gives him the the sweet sweet bridge deal. Walks Ryan Bullock to to UFA. Remember that a two year contract he signed uh, not too long ago. Gonna give Matt Martin a four year contract. Gave Pajot like a what was it, like a five point five AAV or something for six years. Right after acquiring him at the deadline, we I feel like uh, like every other week we go through the Islanders and we talk about everyone who's getting paid too much. Brock Nelson, six, really, you've got to pay him six million bucks. Uh, and, of course, there are the ones that are not just like a slight overpayment, but actual albatrosses, such as Andrew Ladd, making five and a half for, for the next while. Uh, five and a half till the end of the 2022-23 season. That is a, a disaster. Komarov making three, didn't have to do that. Ross Johnson making a million bucks. That's a fifth-line player at best. So, yeah, uh, Lou Lamorello. Should probably get his act together. But on the other hand, didn't he just win GM of the year? Imagine winning GM of the year, and you've got all these, all these bad contracts on your team. That was Barry Trotz, by the way, who brought the Islanders. He should have won Coach of the Year again. He should have won the Jack Adams because he did this despite Lou Lamorello's best attempts to uh, to to sabotage the Islanders with all these bad contracts that made it hard for them to. They had to trade Devin Taves. They had to trade Devin Taves because they had uh, Clutterbuck and Komarov and Pajot making too much money and Thomas Hickey. So making two and a half for the next two years, he never plays. Uh, and so they had to trade who might've been their best defenseman to Colorado. By the way, you know what I was thinking about with Devin Taves is wouldn't that have been nice for Montreal instead of giving up a draft pick for the signing rights to Joel Edmondson to give up two second rounders for Devin Taves, who's way, yep. way better and younger and was an RFA. And I think Taves, uh, and Edmondson were signed to like the same term. Edmondson got three and a half million. Taves got four point one million. That's barely more expensive. That's about six hundred k. I don't know if Lou was like not trading in the East. That would have been ridiculous. Not even in the same division. Uh, so Mark Bergevin, that's who you should have been targeting. That's who you should have been calling. It's about Devin Taves trading for him instead of Joel Edmondson. Absolutely. And uh, you look at you look at what the situation is after this uh, contract is up. Uh, like you're like after this Barzal contract is up, and he's still still not pretty. Like you'll still have Anders Lee signed. You'll have Brock Nelson. That contract's going on forever. Pajot, uh, and yeah, even Josh Bailey. 
Jordan Eberle, all those guys will still have like at least one more year left when Barzell's an RFA. So again, for the second time. So that's uh that's not a great look, man. There's like this this cap trouble thing. Like they they kick the can down the road. And like if, if Lou keeps signing these awful contracts, I don't even wanna know. Oh my goodness. That and I also have to factor in the Matt Martin contract that's that's probably gonna show up oh, yeah. four years. Four years, that's gonna be another one that stretches past uh the next time Barzal's uh contract is up. So, you know, I like think one and a half million was the reported AAV on that one. Okay. All right, that's not huge, but it's still fucking. You're paying Matt Martin for four years, one and a half million dollars. That's one and a half million dollars too long, uh, too much, and four years too long. So just uh, you know, Lou needs to get his act together. If he doesn't, he's just gonna he's gonna blow it. He's gonna completely blow it, and they're not gonna be able to sign Barzal the second time around. He's gonna walk into you, you know, unrestricted free agency, and they're gonna have nobody on the team that can score. So serious problems here because they're not getting those high draft picks because they're you know because uh, Trotz is carrying them to the playoffs. It's just uh, it's. It's a bleak outlook if Lou can't figure it out. And honestly, there are no indications that he will figure it out because he's old, he's set in his ways, and he's frankly not a very good GM at this point. The fact that he did win. They really looked at all 31 GMs of the league and picked him as the best one, as having done the best transactions in the year. That is completely absurd. That's preposterous. That is outrageous. Uh, And, you know, this league is kind of dumb for doing it. It's totally dumb. Uh, And look, the Islanders, not the greatest of outlooks, I got to say. Mm-hmm. It's probably because of Pajot. Because he overpaid for Pajot, then Pajot was great. And wow, what a genius. What a genius. The, the good player he acquired stayed good. Anyway, so maybe it's almost time to wind this episode down, a big fun season preview. Before we do, we've got five games coming up in two days on January 13th. I don't know if you want to throw out any predictions about these matchups or any final thoughts about them. We got Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. It's going to be five thirty Eastern time. Montreal, Toronto. The one I'm, of course, most excited about at seven o'clock. Chicago, Tampa Bay at eight. I think the banner is going up that night. Vancouver, Edmonton at ten, and St. Louis, Colorado at ten thirty. All right, very exciting. Oh, one last bit of news uh, with the Dallas Stars. So uh, yes. they had. So uh, we didn't cover this when we talked about the stars, but uh, they had, a, I don't know how, what the exact number is, but they had a handful of COVID cases. Uh, so there's clearly an outbreak going on there. And their opening game was pushed. I'm not sure how much, but uh, it was. And uh, just, uh, this is, this is, this might become the norm, people. This whole uh, COVID thing, outbreaks within the team, positive cases, and then either you see a team play shorthanded or the game is postponed altogether. Uh, we've seen it in all the other leagues right now that are playing. None of them are playing with a bubble and all of them are seeing the cases. The NFL, uh, basically the entire season, we had COVID cases left and right on essentially every single freaking team. Um, even like just this week in the playoffs, you had Cleveland playing without their head coach uh, and a bunch of other key players because there's an outbreak there. Uh, so, you know, and, and the NBA as well. They had a game where one team had the bare minimum. They had eight players dressed for, for a game. Uh, which is the bare minimum. They were going to keep going. They were going to go ahead with that game until it came out that the other team had seven players uh, because of COVID and oh. other assorted injuries. So uh, just uh, then they ended up postponing that game. So all all the leagues are struggling with this because they're not doing the bubble. They're not following the safety recommendations there. Uh, so uh, this kind of stuff with the NHL, do not be surprised at all if I see it pop up left and right uh, throughout the season because this, this pandemic is clearly not under control anywhere, uh, let alone in Canada and the States. So uh, yeah, this this is this this is looking like it's the norm. It's very unfortunate, 
Uh, you're obviously worried about the health of these players uh, and their families and, and all that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, this is the decision that they make. Uh, is it the smart one? Probably not. But uh, they, they got to live with it. And these are the consequences. Yeah, Dallas was scheduled to open their season on the 14th against Florida. That's my birthday, by the way. And uh, now it's been pushed to the 19th at the earliest is what it said. 19th is the early, at the earliest is when they would start their season. Wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed a little more beyond the 19th. Uh, I hope that the NHL does a better job of managing this than the other major sports leagues. They couldn't do much worse, to be honest. They couldn't do much worse. I hope they've learned from the mistakes that the other leagues have made. Uh, and I think it, I think it'll be a little bit better. I think it'll be, be a little bit better uh, than, cause we saw some pretty careless stuff with like, you know, uh, players. Didn't we see like players awaiting test results and still playing in the games? I imagine we're not going to have very much of that in the NHL. We shouldn't have any of it in the NHL. Uh, and I think they're going to look at the mistakes the other leagues made and learn from it at least a little bit, please. All right. Well, I'm going to give him my quick two cents. I don't like the NHL is not a very smart league, so I don't, I don't put too much optimism into it. Anyways. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, the Habs. News. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you yeah. have anything else? No, I actually, yeah. Okay, sure. You, you go ahead with your, your little piece of news. The Arizona Coyotes have signed Frederick Gauthier to a one-year Ooh. contract. So the big center from the Maple Leafs, who wears number 34, has officially gone to Arizona. Uh, he, didn't wear, he didn't wear 34 in Toronto, but now he is in Arizona, which is kind of funny. Perfect. And he with the, as you know from our quiz, the best shooting percentage out of all the remaining UFAs. Um, uh, yes, up until no longer remaining UFA. That is true. Okay, so yeah, the Habs have two games this week. So we'll have two games to recap when we show up uh, on Sunday next week. We have a game on Wednesday, as you said, with the Maple Leafs on opening night. And we play the Oilers on Saturday. So uh, here we go. Games are starting. It's fun. And uh, yeah, you know, like there's a lot of teams in the U.S. where I really don't have a, a vested interest at all. And I don't really care when they play them. But all these uh, these Canadian teams, you know, I have, a, I, have a, I have an opinion on all of them. So uh, it'll be fun. Like all season, we just get to see matchups with those six teams. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait for this to begin in only two days. Two days. All right. So I guess, I suppose that's the end of this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Handles in the description. We'll be back next week. We will be back on a Sunday. We have to, to do a Monday this week because of, you know, sometimes we have to reschedule. And as Tyson said, two NHL games to talk about. Hopefully not two losses. <laughs>